Well, a happy story comes out of Harlingen, Texas. A newlywed couple retrieved their lost wedding photos. Kimberly Garcia was just back from her honeymoon. She had her wedding photos on a memory card. She was headed to her mom's to load the pictures onto her computer when she stopped to eat at the local IHOP. It was there that she left the memory card and her nightmare began. When it dawned on her what she'd done, she went back to the IHOP and Kim looked everywhere from the booth they were sitting in to the parking lot to the shrubbery in front of the restaurant, but to no avail. Kimberly cried all night long. She never went to sleep. At 2.30 in the morning, she grabbed a flashlight and she nudged her husband, Nathan, and together they returned to search once more. Meanwhile, a man named Raul Charles had also eaten at the IHOP that night. He left the restaurant about 20 minutes after Kimberly, and as he was leaving, he saw and he picked up the lost memory card. When Raul got home, he stuck it into his computer and he recognized Kimberly in some of the photos. It was the woman who'd been there at the IHOP. He returned the memory card the next morning, just minutes after Kimberly and Nathan returned for one final look. A disaster had been averted. Wedding pictures that were thought to have been lost were retrieved. And this is the purpose of our studies here in Ephesians chapter 5. You see, many married couples today have lost their wedding photos. The memory card has been misplaced. Oh, not the photos per se, but the meaning of their marriage. The reason for their wedding. For every marriage is a picture. God created marriage as a divine snapshot of Christ's relationship with his church. And the role God gives to husbands and the role God gives to wives completes the picture that God wants to paint. Husbands should lovingly lead and wives should submit to their husbands and give them their respect. Recall, symbols and pictures are important to God. You don't have to look any further than Jesus' last supper with his disciples. He spoke of the bread. This is my body. The cup was also a symbol of his blood. Then he commanded every generation of believers to regularly partake of these emblems. Why? Because symbols matter to God. He speaks to humanity through these pictures. Last week we discussed the wife's role to submit to her husband as the church respects Christ. Well, this week, we want to talk about the husband's role. And we'll do so by beginning our text in verse 25. We'll read from verse 25 down through verse 30 of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, 
and of his bones. And while we're on the page, let's also read verse 23, for it too helps us to define the husband's role. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Men need to take charge. They need to be the head of their homes. They need to rise up and take on leadership. But not in a domineering way. Rather in a saving and in a liberating way. A wife should flourish under her husband's headship. He covers her. He covers her mistakes. He gives her shelter and protection and an opportunity to grow. Author Charlie Shedd He wrote a letter offering some marital advice to his son, Philip. He writes this, Take charge, but not as a mighty potentate sitting on his throne, ruling his cowering subjects with an iron hand. No, take charge more like a conductor on his box directing a symphony, delicate but definite, subdued yet powerful. I think that's an excellent picture. Like a musical conductor... Your family is a symphony, and husband, you are the director. Understand the biblical concept of headship. As head of the church, Jesus is the Savior of the body. You see, headship is a position that not only comes with authority, but responsibility. Jesus took on our sins and died in our place. In essence, he took responsibility for what was not his fault. And this is biblical headship in a nutshell. This is the responsibility that a man accepts for a wife and a family. When he becomes a husband, he takes on responsibility for his wife and his kids. He covers her debts. He mends her breaks. He repairs her problems. He heals her hurts. Fellows, today, are you the head of your household? Not head in the sense of boss, but head in the sense of covering. Do you provide your family shelter emotionally and spiritually? Did you hear the man who was convicted of lying to the IRS? He claimed to be head of household. That's a joke. (laughs) There's a gift shop that sells plaques for Father's Day. One reads... Wherever dad sits is the head of the table. I hope that plaque sells like hotcakes. Men, if your wife bears the burden of leadership, it's time for you to man up. You need to be the head, the covering of your house. Now, if you were a member of the church in Ephesus and you were hearing this letter from Paul for the very first time, you would be shocked by verses 22 through 30. This would be revolutionary to you. In fact, you would ask for them to read it again. You see, the Greek culture expected wives to be submissive to their husbands, but no one ever expected a husband to love his wife, at least not in any sacrificial manner. You see, the Christian ethic brought to the ancient world this whole idea of reciprocal responsibilities. Christian relationships became two-sided. Wives submitted, but husbands needed to love their wives. Kids should obey their parents, but parents shouldn't provoke their kids. Employees should work hard for their boss, but the boss in turn should treat his employees fairly. You see, in ancient Greece, 
of wife was little more than a man's property. She wasn't allowed to participate in public life. She was kept secluded. The philosopher Exonophon wrote, It was the aim that every wife might see as little as possible, hear as little as possible, and ask as little as possible. Even in Jewish culture, a woman's plight wasn't much better. Every morning, Jewish men prayed, God, I thank you that I was not born a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. But Christianity came to the rescue of women. Not only should a wife submit to her husband, but the husband should love his wife. And not only love, but as Christ loved the church. Boy, that raises the bar even higher. You see, the Christian ethic shifted the majority of the responsibility from the wife to the husband. Trust me, Paul did more for women's liberation than all the bra-burning feminists combined. Husbands are to be like Christ to their wives and to bestow the love that Jesus has showed us. Here's the husband's role in a marriage. Love your wife. Guys, love your wife. Men, your wife desperately needs to know that you love her and that you care for her. You need to reassure her daily that you're committed to cherishing her and protecting her and providing for her all the days of her life. A husband should be willing to lay down his life for his wife. In word and in deed, we need to love our wives. But notice, our text doesn't say that husbands need to love their wives like Matthew McGonaghy loves Jennifer Lopez. Or like Tom Hanks loves Meg Ryan. Men, you may not be an extreme romantic or a silver-tongued poet or even a handsome hunk, although you think you are. And real life is never like the movies. But guys, you know how to love your wife. I know you do. You see, you need to love your wife like you love your golf clubs. Keep her safe. Protect her from any nicks or scratches. Outfit her in those fluffy, comfortable covers. Take her to nice places. Make sure she shines. Brag about her to your buddies. And work on your swing. How you treat her. Get the right grip. Aim straight. Always make good contact. Be consistent. Hey, make sure you love your wife is par for the course. Husbands, you need to love your wife. Love her like your golf clubs. Just whatever you do, don't call her Big Bertha. (laughs) Or, for some of you guys, love your wives like you love your tools. For some of you, your tools are your livelihood. You treasure them. They're always by your side. You keep your eyes on your tools constantly at the work site to make sure nobody walks off with them. You keep them oiled and greased and sharpened and serviced. You do what it takes to keep your tools in tip-top shape. Husband, treat your wife the same way. You see, men need to love their wives, but wives need to understand how men love. Often women marry men because they're attracted to masculine traits. Rugged exteriors, deep voices. 
But then after the wedding, they expect their husband to act and talk like a girlfriend. They want him to yak incessantly and get all emotional. Ladies, that's not the man you married. Some wives expect more from their husbands than he can deliver. Dr. Laura Schlesinger, she makes this observation. She says, only when women enjoy those strengths they have that men don't and enjoy the strengths men have that they as women don't, will they be happier creatures. Men display their emotions in action more than pretty phrases. If your husband doesn't say all the flowery things you think he should because you watch too many chick flicks, you should look at what he does. When he repairs a leaky faucet, or rotates the tires on your car. That's love speak for a husband. Action is largely how men communicate. When God, is, when God calls husbands to love their wives, he doesn't call them to love them like you see in the chick flicks. Husbands, love your wives like you love your golf clubs, or your tools, or better yet, Paul says that husbands should love their wives like Jesus loves the church. And Jesus loves the church in at least four ways, according to our text here. I'll list them for you. He loves us with a sacrificial love, a sanctifying love, a sensitive love, and a sharing love. And that's what I want to talk about in the time I have left. First, Jesus loves us with a sacrificial love. Notice again, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Notice Jesus gave himself for the church. He suffered and bled and died so that we could live. Jesus gave himself for the church in one big, bold, monumental way. A husband now is called on to give himself for his wife's sake in a lot of little ways from day to day. Reminds me of the young man who said to his girlfriend, For you, baby, I'd swim the biggest ocean, climb the highest mountain, cross the fastest river, and I'll see you Friday night if it's not raining. <laughs> he was willing to make the big sacrifices, but not the daily, routine sacrifices. Hey, a good husband will be willing to constantly die for his wife. Die to the habits that cause friction in their relationship. Die to the desires that breed distrust. Die to selfishness and stubbornness. Die to the kind of pride and self-righteousness that keeps you from saying you're sorry. When a husband comes home from work, he's tired, he's exhausted. He wants to be left alone. But you see, a husband dies to that want. He steps up to help out his family. And notice verse 25, Jesus tells us, or we're told that Jesus gave himself. Notice what he gave. He gave himself. Men, this is what your wife desires most from you. She wants you. She didn't sign up to coexist with a stranger. A wife doesn't want just the stuff you do for her, but she wants you to spend time with her. More than money, she wants her honey. Rodney Dangerfield once said, I get no respect in my marriage. On my wedding night, my wife told me we were seeing too much of each other. <laughs> Trust me, guys, your wife will never, ever say that to you. Hey, that woman can't get enough of you. Take it as a compliment. 
Once the house of a hardworking farmer and his wife from Oklahoma, they were hit by a tornado. The funnel cloud blew off the roof and sucked up the farmer and his wife, still in their bed. The same bed landed 10 miles away. When the hero units finally arrived on the scene, they found the wife crying. But her tears were tears of joy. She said, I can't help it. I'm so happy. This is the first time we've been out together in 20 years. Hey, at times, husbands can get so busy bringing home the bread that we forget our sugar. Jesus gave himself for the church, and husbands need to lay down their lives for their wives. Notice second, Jesus loves us with a sanctifying love. Read with me verses 26 and 27. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. See, Jesus not only sacrifices for the church, but he works tirelessly to sanctify and to cleanse the church. The word sanctify, it means to set apart. The idea is to separate from the ordinary, to treat it as special, To elevate its status. And this is how Jesus loves us, is it not? Jesus found me floundering in sin. But he cleansed me. He made me his own. He's given my life purpose and hope and dignity and beauty. I'm his restoration project. Through continual washings with his word, he's working miracles in me. Jesus has renewed my mind. He's elevated my status. In Christ, I'm loved and accepted and valued. He even involves me in his work. I'm somebody in Christ Jesus, and so are you. And now he presents me to God, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Where there should be age spots, there's now no spots. Where I've weathered and worn, there are no more wrinkles. Though marred by sin in Christ, I'm without blemish or spot or wrinkle. And this is how a husband should love his wife, with a sanctifying love. Guys, your wife is your restoration project. When you married, she had some scars. She'd been beaten down. Perhaps in her past, she's been molested or abused or mistreated. She felt like a nobody. Maybe she lived promiscuously and lacked dignity. Husband, a wife bears wounds And the dysfunctions that that have been caused by those wounds. These are not your fault. But now that you're the head of the house, they are your responsibility. And as the head of your home, you should be God's healing agent in the life of your wife. Husband, your job is to love your wife as Jesus loves you. Our sin was not his fault. But Jesus took on that responsibility. He came, he took our sin on his shoulders. He died in our place to save our soul. You see, headship is being accountable for stuff that's not my fault. Real men don't bellyache or cast blame. They redeem and forgive and restore and sanctify. We work to show our wife and our kids a better life. A husband's job is to sanctify his wife, to help her overcome her past. He treats his wife as pure and special. He respects her as a lady. 
He looks past what she used to be and reminds her of who she is now in Christ. A godly husband helps to restore his wife's dignity. And yet I know some husbands who are only making matters worse. Their cutting comments remind their wife of what she once was. They keep stirring up the evil echoes of her past. Men, if that's what you're doing to your wife, shame on you. Are you helping your wife to grow in Christ? Or are you holding her back? A husband loves his wife by speaking God's word into her life. By reminding her of how Jesus sees her. By viewing her with acceptance and love and the same forgiveness that Jesus has shown you. Men, have you given your wife an opportunity to start over? Or do you continually dredge up her past? Let me ask the men today a serious question. Has your wife gotten prettier or plainer since she married you? Is she thriving or is she weathering under your influence? Men, your wife is a byproduct of your cultivation. You're responsible for her health and for her beauty. Thus, if she's not healthier and more beautiful than when you first married, then you bear much of the blame. It angers me to hear a husband who's been married for a decade walk up and say he no longer loves his wife. Why not? After 10 years of marriage, a husband indicts himself to say that he doesn't love his wife. She's been under your care. What have you done to make her more lovable? You see, a joyous, beautiful, godly wife is a testimony to her husband's love, whereas a depressed, brawling, nagging wife is proof of her husband's negligence. I'll never forget the fellow who approached me after a Bible study one night and said he had decided to join our church. He'd been coming for several years, and so I figured he'd already felt that Calvary Chapel was his church home. I asked him what had happened, where it caused him to reach the decision at this particular time. He said, well, Pastor Sandy, I've been watching your wife. I thought, man, that's a little creepy. <laughs> Somebody watching my wife, I'm not sure I like that. But then he added, he said, and you know, she seems really healthy and happy. And she seems to be thriving under your leadership. And I figure if she can thrive under your leadership, my family can too. Well, I still didn't like her watching my wife, but the guy definitely had some wisdom. Husbands, do you smother and stifle your wife? Or do you allow her to flower and flourish and grow? Here's another thought. Husband, is your wife growing in spite of you or because of your influence? Hey, we are the savior of the body. Thus, we should enhance our wives physically and socially and emotionally and spiritually. We love our wives with a sacrificial love, a sanctifying love, and then third, with a sensitive love. Notice verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Jesus treats the church as his own body. 
You know, the church as the body of Christ is a multifaceted analogy. It speaks of many truths, but certainly it illustrates the empathy of Jesus. Jesus is a man. He's a man himself, and he occupies human flesh. He owned a body, and thus he knows what it's like to be hungry and to feel pain and to get lonely and to have sorrow and to suffer need. He knows what it's like to care for a physical body. And we do too, don't we? We're all very in tune with the needs of our body. When our stomach growls, or when we go without sleep, or when we get a toothache, or when we pound our thumb with a hammer. I mean, these are the kinds of needs that don't get overlooked. And this is the way that a husband should relate to his wife. In a single word, His love shows attentiveness. Hey, my wife may have needs that I can't meet, but I hope she never has a need that I don't know about. I need to be attentive to my wife. A husband is to nourish and cherish his wife as he would his own body. And trust me, I don't miss too many meals. You can see that. I shouldn't miss picking up on Kathy's needs. Once a husband laid down on the couch and he picked up the TV remote control and he shouted to his wife out in the other room. He said, honey, anything you want to say to me before football season begins? That's not exactly the thoughtfulness that we're talking about here. That's not the way Christ is sensitive to his body. He hears our prayers 24-7. He lives to make intercession for us. I think the least we husbands can do is to take some time out from each day to be available to our wives, to hear the issues that concern her. Men, do you listen to your wife's heart? I've heard it put this way. Every husband needs to know what makes his wife tick, what tickles her, and what ticks her off. That's great advice. Paul is telling us that a husband needs to be as sensitive to his wife's needs as he is to his own body. Years ago, I went on a school field trip to Jekyll Island with Zach's sixth-grade science class. Jekyll Island is in the Atlantic Ocean. It's one of Georgia's barrier islands. And I was bombarded all week long with more information on marine biology than I could stomach. Most of it sailed over my head, quite frankly. But I did learn one vital lesson about marriage that I have never, ever forgotten. When the female chinaback crab molts, Or sheds her shell. It takes several days for her new shell to harden. And for that interval of time, the female crab is extremely vulnerable to predators, to problems. But it's during that period that the male crab comes to her rescue. The male chinaback crab, he covers the female with his body. He becomes the head of the body. And that's when the female, the vulnerable female attaches herself to the underbelly of the male and he carries her around until her shell is able to harden again and offer her the proper protection the husband covers the wife and men there will be times in life when your wife will get a little crabby (laughs) and that's when she needs for you to cover her For it's during those times of vulnerability that you need to be sensitive and you need to carry your wife. 
It's a husband's job to provide his wife with protection and reason and stability during those times. This is part of being the head of your wife. Every wife needs to see and feel that she is the object of her husband's love. And finally, if we're to love our wives as Jesus loves the church, we should love her with a sharing love. Notice again verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. The urge to eat or to get warm or to sleep isn't something that we have to think a lot about, is it? These are instinctive desires. And Paul is telling us here that it should be instinctive for a husband to love his wife. It's an impulse that should come naturally for the husband. Guys, is it second nature for you to love your wife? As Paul puts it, one day Jesus will present us as his glorious church. He'll share with us a glory that's not our own. He'll clothe us in his glory. It will be a shared glory. The church is in Christ to the extent of sharing in his accomplishments. We'll one day reign and rule with Jesus, not because of our successes, but due to his victory. And Jesus longs for the day when he will present to the Father, the church that stands in his own glory. He'll show off his bride. He'll sport her on his arm and brag of her beauty. One day, we, the church, will be a trophy wife. Hey, this is what Paul means in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. In the big scheme of things, Jesus makes sure that we not only carry his burdens, but we also will one day share in his glory. And you see, this is the goal of every loving husband. To share his glory with his wife. Over the years, my wife has been my best friend. And there have been times when she was the only person I could lean on. She has helped me carry the load. And that's why now, whenever a small reward comes my way, I'm quick to share it with Kathy. She's shared in the struggles. She should also share in the successes. Hear ye, hear ye, all husbands. If you want your wife to submit or to arrange her life around yours, then when a little success does come your way, make sure you share it with her. Let her in on the spoils of the battle. Hey, she's helped you fight the wars. She's been there and seen her share of combat. Now share with her your successes. Reminds me of the account in 1 Samuel chapter 30 of David's victory over the Philistines. The men who guarded the stuff back at camp received the same share of the spoils as those who had drawn the sword. And David said these words, But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. David went on to make that order an official decree. It was a policy from then on in Israel. And this should be every husband's policy. A faithful wife who guards the stuff deserves the same spoils as the husband who goes out and wins the victories. Husband, why not give a portion of the next bonus check you receive to your wife so she can go out and buy a new dress? Or take her with you on your next fun business trip. 
She's held down the fort over all these years. Now that your busy season's over, why not treat her to a night off? Every husband knows what it means to him when his boss appreciates and rewards his hard work. Well, it means the same to a wife when her husband acknowledges her dedication and her faithfulness. Husband, do you praise your wife? Do you carry your, her picture in your wallet or now on your cell phone? Are you proud of her in public? You see, a smart husband compliments his wife regularly. I'm sure every husband here appreciates his wife and all she does. But guys, when was the last time you told her in a meaningful way? Part of loving our wives is to have a sharing love. Reminds me of the British fellow who came to America. He attended church one Sunday and heard a sermon on this topic. The fellow took it to heart. He returned home determined to communicate his appreciation to his wife. Also, while in the States, he noticed how Americans complimented one another with the phrase, you look like a million dollars. He decided to use that on his wife, but the translation changed the meaning. He said, honey, you look like a million pounds. And you can be sure her reaction was not what he intended. There was, though, one smart British gentleman who was quite skilled in complimenting his wife. England's Prime Minister Winston Churchill was once attending a banquet with his beloved Clementine or Clemmy. They were sitting at a table with other dignitaries when each person was asked the question, if you could not be who you are, who then would you like to be? When it was Churchill's turn... He took Clemmy by the hand and he said, If I could not be who I am, I would most like to be Lady Churchill's second husband. Wow. The old boy knew how to score some points, didn't he? <laughs> and husband, you'll win a few points yourself when you love your wife with a sharing love. Well, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loves the church. Love her with a sacrificing love and with a sanctifying love and with a sensitive love and with a sharing love. Once a husband asked his pastor if it were possible to love his wife too much. The pastor answered, do you love her as much as Christ loves the church? The man shrugged and replied, of course not. The pastor responded, then love her some more. And I'm sure every husband here today can love his wife a little more. You can make a sacrifice or help to sanctify or be a little more sensitive or more sharing. Men, you and your wife are posing for a picture that God is trying to paint. Her role is to submit. Your role is to love. And guess who has the heavier responsibility? Well, here again, the buck stops with the buck. You want to be treated as the head of your home? Then act like the head and not the tail. Take responsibility. Love like Jesus loves. Stop complaining and start loving. Cover your wife and kids with your love. You see, it's time to retrieve and restore the wedding pictures. And husband, it falls on you to get the ball rolling. You're the leader. You can start. You can set a new tone in your family. You see, the first step is for you, husband, to man up and take back leadership by assuring your wife 
of your love for her. 